It is great to be with you this evening. And we are almost finished with the, uh, our series on First Corinthians. Um, when the preaching roster was um, put together, uh, we were expecting Jabu. But obviously Malachi had other plans to come earlier. Uh, and so would you turn your Bibles with me? First Corinthians chapter 16, and, and tonight we, we're reading from uh, verse 5 to 12. First Corinthians 16, verse 5 to 12. It says, I will visit you after passing through Macedonia, for I intend to pass through Macedonia. And perhaps I will stay with you or even spend the winter so that you may help me on my journey wherever I go. For I do not want to see you now, just in passing. I hope to spend some time with you if the Lord permits. But I will stay in Ephesus until... Pentecost, for a wide door for effective work has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. When Timothy comes, see that you put him at ease among you, for he is doing the work of the Lord as I am. So let no one despise him. Help him on his way in peace, that he may return to me, for I am expecting him with the brothers. Now concerning our brother Apollos, I strongly urge him to visit you with the other brothers, but it was not at all his will to come now. He will come when he has opportunity. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Lord, again, we come to you and we ask you that you would speak to us, Lord. Every thing that you have revealed in your word is for a purpose. And so, Lord, even in these travel instructions that may seem um, uh, not that important, Lord, would you even use those words to speak to us tonight? I ask you that you will use me. I ask you that you will hire me and that Christ will be exalted in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. So as Daniel mentioned last week, this section is a very practical section. And, and so um, there is a, a benediction later on that it will come in the next sermons, but these are, in your, in your Bible, you will see uh, plans for travel and, and things like that. Now, I spent some time reading uh, the end of all the letters that Paul wrote. And, and there are some similarities that you can see um, during in, in those letters. And often it ends with, with a benediction, which we'll get to. But in a number of letters, Paul, at the end, 
recognizes different people for different reasons. Uh, thanking them, people like Demas and Luke and Mark and Tychicus and, and Timothy and, and others. And, and he acknowledges them in, in his ministry. He also at some point recognizes someone that he goes on to say, that person have nothing to do with them. But in these last instructions, these travel instructions and these instructions, in a way we, we, we can tend to think like, ah, that is like, you know when someone tells an inside joke and you don't get it and you're like, okay, okay yeah, haha, you know? And it may seem like that, you know, like we don't know these people, we don't know what, what was happening. But in a way, this opens the curtain a little bit to point out about Paul and his relationship with these people, but also we get hints of what was ministry like for Paul at that time. And that's really what I want us to, to be focusing on. There are, I believe, some highlights about ministry uh, ministry life that we can see from this very practical passage. And so the first thing I want, my first point for tonight is that ministry is not a solo job. job. It's not a solo job. The fact that Paul spent so much of his last chapters in the different letters acknowledging people and thanking people for meeting at these people's home and this person was good to me and, and received my friend the lawyer and, and Luke the physician and, and the fact that he spent so much time acknowledging people, recognizing they have been a blessing to my ministry. And, and my, the point that I want to make here uh, in, for us, we believe that all Scripture is God-breathed, and even these sections that we read are relevant for us. And I believe is the point of, uh, one of the points of this uh, section is this, that the great Apostle Paul was only the great Apostle Paul because he had multiple partners. He had multiple people helping him in the work of the Lord. The work of God is not a solo job, a solo project. It's not an exclusive club for a few gifted men. The work of God, ministry, is dependent on a combined effort. You, we can see that one of the reasons Paul wants to come to them is that he may be helped. He's acknowledging that he needs help. We see there in, in verse 6, And perhaps I will stay with you or even spend the winter so that you may help me on my journey wherever I go. Now, the way that the ESV translated, I, I think it's not as helpful, but the, the Greek word... Uh, there uh, that appears for this help me on my journey is uh, a word called propempo. Uh, and it's a techn- technical term for supplying the travel needs of God's in- 
itinerant ministers and thus conveys the idea of help one forward on his journey, including furnishing things necessary for one's travel. It's, it's basically Paul is saying, I, I need you guys to, uh, to help me, uh, to send me off. And he uses this word in, in other places, in Romans, in Second Corinthians, in, in Titus. But the point is this, that he, he wants to come to them, not just for their sake, but for his own sake. That he may be helped. We can't do ministry alone. I counted just for this weekend, this Sunday, the 23rd of April of 2023. It took about 80 different people in all three services to make these services happen. All across the, the campuses. It is a joint effort. And we need all parts of the body. We, we can't, Pastor Charles can do it by himself, Pastor Mark can do it by himself, who would sing? I'm joking. Um, we need the eyes and the hands and the nose and everyone coming together into ministry. And I think, I, I do confess that sometimes we feel like, well, I, I will just do it myself. It's easier. I want, to die, I want it done it my way. Oh, if this person does it, it's not going to be the same way. But no, we are called to serve together. We need help from each other. Um, and, we, and we can't do it by ourselves. We need help. I need help. Uh, this past week... I uh, was uh, there with a family, the Clayton uh, Boy family, and they were sharing these different testimonies. And um, <clears throat> the one thing that uh, one person said as, as, uh, in remembrance of Eugene, who was the pastor's wife, he, they, they were saying, behind every pastor is a great pastor's wife who is taking all the blows. And let me tell you, it is true. <laughs> um, we, we need, I can't do it. We, we can't do it by ourselves. And that's, that's the first point. Paul acknowledges constantly the need of other people. And he recognizes them by name. But secondly, ministry involves time. He says, I don't want to come to you just in passing, I hope to spend some time with you. Ministry requires time together. We need to be getting involved with each other, connecting, being in each other's homes, spend time together. And, and this is a reminder, not just for all of you, but even for, for the elders, that we, we need to spend time with our flock. How are we going to care each other's burdens <laughs> if we don't know each other? Galatians 6, 2, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And let me tell you something. Just take a moment and look at the people around you. Right now. Take a moment and look at the people around you. 
you and I, we have no true idea of what the people that are sitting right next to you are going through. You, you don't know the difficulties. You don't know the worries, the struggles that they are facing right now. You only see that which they want you to see on a Sunday morning. But if we are going to be truly ministering to each other, we ought to get to know one another. We ought to know what are my brother's burdens so that I can help them carry. This, this on, on Friday, one of our members, we met, and, and I, I was just shocked because for two years there's been event after event after event of really tough things that happened, even traumatic things, that I had no idea. And, and I've, I've seen this person in church on Sundays, and I wouldn't have a clue. In my eyes, all things are okay. And yet, this person was struggling, struggling with sometimes depression. And, and this person told me, Isaac, I struggle to sing these great songs of of salvation because of, of what has happened to me. And so true ministry is going to involve time. It's going to require sacrifice of time, of being in each other's homes and give our ear to each other so that we can hear what, what are the struggles, what, what do I need to pray for you for? How are you really doing how is your emotional state? How is your spiritual state? How is your quiet time going? How is how's your stress level? And none of us will share it with everyone. So don't don't get me wrong, we we're not we're not gonna all know about everyone and everything that is happening. But the point of being a family together and, and, and Bible studies and small groups and, and true close friendships that you just have someone that you're sharing your burden with. Earlier this year, I was doing a, a pastoral care section with, with the interns. And there was a, a definition of pastoral care, and I want to uh, read it to you. Pastoral care is the actions and functions of the congregation, the body of Christ, to bring healing, help, guidance, support, reconciliation, and growth by means of the communication of the good news. The Word of God, through the work of God the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Counselor. But what was striking about this definition is that this pastoral care, it says, is the functions of the congregation, congregation, not just of the elders. The elders need to be doing pastoral care, need to be spending time with the flock, need to be hearing the struggles and, and shepherding and encouraging. But it is not limited to just the elders. If you have close relationships, you want what is best for, for your fellow brother and sister, right? 
So ministry involves time, involves getting into each other's lives. But thirdly, ministry has adversaries. Look at verse 8 and 9. But I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost, for a wide door for effective work has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. Now, what was, what was the circumstances here? So we, we have a uh, in the book of Acts, it speaks of what's happening here. In Acts 14, 27, it speaks, When they arrived and gathered the church together, they declared all that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. So this, this door that was open for them, the effective work has opened to me. This door was the Gentiles were coming to faith in Christ. And this is great. However, there was opposition. In Acts 19.9 we read, And he entered the synagogue and for three months spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. But when some became stubborn and continued in unbelief, speaking evil of the way before the congregation, he withdrew from them and took the disciples with him, reasoning daily in the hall of uh, Tyrannus. This continued for two years so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. Now, let me ask you this question Have you ever been the recipient or, um, of being uh, spoken evil about? In other words, uh, has someone ever spoken evil about you? Has someone ever slandered you? Let me tell you, it's not a great sentiment. But Paul here acknowledges this reality of ministry. Ministry will always have adversaries. And can I tell you something? This is a reminder for me, even at this time. Why? Well, the devil doesn't want the work of the Lord to advance. He doesn't want for good fellowship and harmony so that the world can see that we belong to Jesus. Right? That's what Jesus said. If we love one another, that's how the world will know. The devil doesn't want us to, to be proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ, to be in perfect harmony and, and unity. And so... There will always be adversaries. The work is moving forward, Paul says. A great door has been opened. There are adversaries, though. And, and we have opposition from different places. <laughs> we have different fights different adversaries we fight against the flesh our own self constantly when we think you got it together and you nailed it you fail you you fall 
and you've got to get up again and fight again. We have a fight against principalities, the word tells us. There's a spiritual dimension, a spiritual warfare going on. We have a fight against ungodly ideologies all around us in, in the world that we live in. We have fight against the outside. But unfortunately, brothers and sisters, Paul warns that sometimes these adversaries will come from within. And, and in many of his letters, he's addressing false teachers that are coming from within. People that some of the believers would have sat right next to, who, who, who sang along together with them, who sound like sheep, but in reality are wolves in sheep's clothing. And so we need to examine our hearts. The church is the bride of Christ, and she's precious in His sight, so be careful you're not one of her adversaries. A number of years ago, a pastor told, uh, told me, <clears throat> it's different, Isaac. He says, if someone insults me, it's okay. But if someone insults my wife, then we have a problem. See, if you're going to come in opposition to the bride of Christ, it's going to be a problem. Jesus died for his church. He died for his bride. He bought her with his blood. It is precious in his sight. Even though right now the church is full of wrinkles, still with stains, God is purifying his church. It's bringing her to sanctification until she becomes spotless. So be careful to go against the church of Christ. Jesus is the great shepherd, and he will, he will protect his flock. He will protect the true sheep. But here's his encouragement. Though we will always have adversaries, Jesus is the head of the church, and he promised that he will build his church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. Jesus will win. We, the true church of Christ, will win, will overcome the adversity and all the adversaries that raise up against his church. Jesus and his church will prevail triumphant. Can I get an amen? But thirdly, ministry needs encouragement. Look at verse 10 and 11. When Timothy comes, see that you put him at ease among you, for he's doing the work of the Lord, as I am. So let no one despise him. Help him on his way in peace, that he may return to me, for I am expecting him with the brothers. I, I, I just love the, the care and the pastoral heart Paul has and says, 
Don't mistreat Timothy. Paul cares for him. Now, why was Paul concerned for, for Timothy? Why, why does he say these, these words? Well, one of the reasons, it seems, it's that there were people in 1 Corinthians that were arrogant, were kind of bullies. In 1 Corinthians 4, verse 8, it says, Some are arrogant, as though I were not coming to you. And we know it, it's, Timothy seems to have had a very shy or timid personality. He was not like Paul. And this is another beauty of, of ministry. God has put together different people with completely different personalities. And Paul says, don't mistreat him, for he is doing the Lord's work. As I am, he says. Paul says, encourage him, help him, put his mind at ease, welcome him. And this, this is encouraging. And, and we all need to be encouraged. We all are in need of encouragement, one way or the other. And so I do want to encourage you tonight. If you have been serving in ministry, I want to thank you for your faithfulness. I want to thank you for serving the Lord week in and week out. Emil, thank you. Carissa, thank you. Musa, thank you. We, we need encouragement. Thank you for, for your efforts. Pastor Charles, thank you for your faithfulness. Pastor Mark, thank you for your faithfulness. Pastor Jabu at home with Malachi, thank you for your faithfulness, brother, for your efforts. And God sees you and the work that you are doing for him. People may not see it. People may not acknowledge it. But God does. God sees the work that you have put in and that no one else has seen it. And so I want to encourage you to keep going, to keep serving faithfully. Ask for the Lord, not for the sake of recognition, but serving us for the Lord. But I do want to, to put a qualifier. Not every work that is said to be done for the Lord is really done for the Lord. The way that we serve matters. The way that your heart is while you serve matters. Look at what Romans 12 says, do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord. And so I want to encourage you to keep serving with all your heart and your mind and your strength, ask for the Lord. One of the commentators puts it like this, there can easily be a lot of activity without much work of the Lord genuinely being done. When the work we do is of little importance, is done in the flesh, or is done half-heartedly, it will never be fruitful for the Lord. That sort of work, though, though in the Lord's name, is in vain. 
And so, keep going. I want to encourage you. Keep going. May the Lord strengthen you and keep using you for His glory. But then lastly, ministry doesn't always go according to plan. And I, was, uh, I must confess, I wasn't sure if I should add this in or not. But I think it is worth mentioning. Look at verse 12. Now concerning our brother Apollos, I strongly urge him to visit you with the other brothers. But it was not at all his will to come now. He will come when he has opportunity. So, at first glance, we don't think much of it. But this is, again, opening the curtain a little bit about Paul and his ministry. We see here a record of a disagreement. It seems like the, the church in Corinth wanted Apollo to come. And, and Paul thought he should go. But when Paul <laughs> urged him and spoke to him, Apollo said, I don't want to go. <laughs> and, and the point here that I want us to see is that ministry doesn't always go according to plan. Ministry can be messy. It will be messy. <laughs> because there are a lot of people still being sanctified, full of sin still, <laughs> with different personalities, with different ideas and thoughts, it is bound to be somewhat messy. <laughs> they disagreed. But notice that Paul does not make a nev- negative remark about it. He, he just acknowledges what Apollo's decision was. Uh, a commentator really puts it well. He, he says this, Observe that Paul not only recognizes this as the prerogative of Apollos to choose when to go to Corinth, but he does not not presume to know better what is the best time. When we assume the choosing of the time that someone else should do something, we give the impression that he is not mature enough to make a wise choice or that God cannot lead him directly. Isn't that interesting. Sometimes we think that God can only, uh, only speaks directly to us. We want to tell people it, it must be done this way. Although Paul was an apostle, he did not want to infringe upon Apollo's freedom to do as he felt the Lord was leading him. For this reason, Paul only requested Apollos to go to Corinth when he wanted him to go but he left the execution of the plan to Paul's judgment. And so, recognizing that ministry will not always go smoothly, this will not, there will be sometimes conflict, there will be sometimes uh, differences and differences of opinion. And this is a reality that, that we ought to remember, that things will not always go Smoothly. Just in closing, 
because Jesus Christ is the head of the church, he will build his church. He will lead us in the ministry. We're not doing this just by human efforts. But we need to remember that we can't do this by ourselves. We need each other. We need partners in the ministry. We need encouragement. So be a source of encouragement to other people. Say thank you. Don't take people for, for granted. And, and especially, can, can I just put a parenthesis here? Um, since worship is, is kind of my thing, I, I want to say if I haven't appreciated you, I'm sorry. All the musicians and the media team and the streaming team and the bands and the singers, thank you for all that you do. Remember that we're going to have opposition, that we're going to have adversaries, and we have to be looking to Jesus Christ in times of adversity. It can get messy. And yet, we will be triumphant. Jesus is continuing to build his church. May the Lord keep using you in the ministry that he has placed into your hands. In the unique giftedness that he has given to you. And if you haven't, if you're not serving anywhere, recognize what is the spiritual gift that God has given to me. Because we need you. And put it into practice. Surrender your gifts and talents to the Lord. Let the Lord use you for his glory. Let us pray. Oh God, we are thankful that you are building your church, Lord, and you choose to use such weak vessels, such as myself and others, those that are here. Thank you, Lord, that you are merciful and you give us the privilege. Lord, it is truly a privilege to serve you, our great God, the one who saved our soul, who redeemed us, who changed our nature. It is such a pleasure and a privilege to serve you, O God. Lord, would you have mercy on this church? Would you have mercy on this ministry, Lord? Would you help us and strengthen us against our adversaries? Lord, will you unite your people, O oh God? Lord, would you encourage those that are serving, those that have been wanting to give up? Lord, would you strengthen their hands, Lord? Lord, those that are suffering alone, God, those that have not shared their burden with anyone. Convict them, Lord, tonight to, to share their burden with a fellow brother or sister in Christ, Lord. Would you help us to truly spend time with one another, to grow one another, to build each other up in the most holy faith, Lord. Lord, we are prone to wonder Oh, well, Lord, take our hearts. 
they can seal it, Lord. In the precious name of Jesus, amen.